0: Okay so welcome to this latest episode of the Meet the Boss series. Today I am joined by Beth Revell of Blue Iris Partnership, a consultancy that is brand new, set up in January 2020. Welcome Beth.
1: Hello, thank you. Thank you Paul.
0: Thanks for, thanks for coming on board. So you have been going since January 2020. Uh, I think we were laughing beforehand saying you'd not got um, a global pandemic on your risk register of uh, starting a consultancy. <laughs> so I'm sure it's been, uh, and we'll get into it, it's been an interesting ride, I imagine, uh, for the first um, nine months.
1: It's had its challenges and its opportunities. Uh, we believe it's been more of an opportunity for us. Um, but yeah, it certainly had its challenges and it's given us time to reflect, that's for sure.
0: Great. Okay. So I recall Beth seeing a lot of posts from you and Stephen before you before you officially launched, and and re- the really interesting artwork. It really stood out. Just just tell me a bit about where the name came from. Blue Iris it's, it's unusual, I guess, as a as a name for a consultancy. And and I think you you've got a story to tell as to why why that name, haven't you? And what you stand for as a business
1: yeah we've got, a, we've got a you know we believe in what we stand for i mean for us i mean just some background blue irises represent hope faith wisdom and courage um which we think are quite core values for us mm-hmm. you know as predominantly project managers and management consultancy we think sort of obviously the wisdom and courage and having some faith in what we do is really important mm-hmm. and we wanted a name that was Sort of softer and a bit more approachable to mm-hmm. the people that we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. We predominantly work in the public sector, um, health, education, and leisure are our main sectors. Mm-hmm. And we want something that was more approachable. Um, also, our accountant gave us the good advice to possibly not name it after ourselves in case it all went horribly wrong.
0: <laughs> fair enough. no fair enough that's uh, that's some good advice and so yeah like you say you, you focus predominantly in the public sector um how, how has that been for a small consultancy because always my understanding is one of the uh one of the barriers to entry for smaller businesses is to get on all the relevant frameworks etc that generally uh, the bigger players generally occupy So how, how has that been and how, how have you got over that hurdle i guess
1: It's a real challenge, you know, for consultancy as well as for construction. You know, I don't want to particularly use the word cartel, but, you know, with the big frameworks and the procurement regulations really knocking, you know, locking that market up, it is really difficult for SMEs to get through. Um, But we are seeing more opportunities come through, either through public tenders. but. Our approach has always been one about collaboration and working with people. You know, okay. from uh, both Stephen I's experience and user developing, we've built up really strong relationships with architects, with contractors. So actually, we, we rather than we are going for our own commission, but we're particularly focused on around multidisciplinary offers. Okay, so great. we know we know that clients, um, the public sector particularly, are looking to manage their risk through multidisciplinary or one-stop shop. Okay. Whether they're going to an architect to do that or a contractor um, or going to one of the big consultancy firms. Mm. Actually, what you've got within those commissions, you still need those PM functions. You still need programme management. You still need contracts management, variation, design management within them. So actually, we're all about partnership. So mm-hmm. the jobs that we've been going for, we're forming part of a bigger team. And because we haven't got those big overheads and we've got our senior level experience, we're able to offer and fit into those teams in the way that some of the larger consultancy firms would have been able to.
0: Yeah, and indeed may not have been able to because they've been conflicted out, I guess, in some cases, uh, depending yeah. on what, what they're going for and what other relationships they have elsewhere in the, in, the, in the supply chain of that particular commission.
1: Yeah, and we're very much about sort of using the skills we've got rather than just looking for a standard client side PM consultancy role. Okay. Um, you know we think that the future is going to need to be a little more adaptive on that as well so you know we're you know we're doing a lot of smaller commissions so Mm -hmm. where our expertise is needed Mm -hmm. whether that be to triage a distress project help get something into contract close, help with some contracts management you know so fitting in rather than just chasing those one big commissions
0: yeah perfect okay great and I guess with that in mind, you know, what, what do you think, I guess, the opportunities and the risks that are presented to, I guess, you as a, cons- a small consultancy and the wider market? You know, what do you think will happen over the next, I guess, 12 months in terms of how, how you think the market may change? And so what, I guess, both risks and opportunities that may present the industry and, and I guess, the consultancy market? I mean,
1: it's sort of the, you know, the sectors that we've focused on on with education health and leisure you know we see those as being the sectors which are going to get the most investment mm, um, we'll see yeah. governments and there's a number of big packages around that yes. and i think it's been a wake-up call that actually our public infrastructure our external spaces our leisure facilities and healthcare as well as education facilities do need that investment mm. and the impact of that not happening um, has caused so we're quite buoyant in that. Uh, I must admit, quite pleased we're not focused on office fit-out at the moment, because um, obviously that's a market I think is going to be seeing some challenges. And I know from both sort of Stephen and I's journey, you know, looking at the 2009 recession, mm-hmm. which is when my career personally moved from hotels and private sector into public, edu- yeah, public sector and education. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Effectively with, you know, with Brexit as well, you know, hmm. that sort of fiscal stimulus around public sector and those core facilities, you know, we'll see, we're will confident we're going to see quite a good pipeline of work.
0: Yeah, no, and, and that would probably be echoed with what I'm seeing from a lot of my clients who are certainly coming, if they have got vacancies, a lot of them seem to be in areas such as um, health health, uh, life science, not, not so much education yet, but I do see that coming through. I think education will start to come through as well, I think. It's those it's those kind of core sectors, maybe industrial is a sector that obviously, as we all change the way we live, um, data centres, th- those kind of sectors that I think are reflective of what the, what the public sector are going to spend money on, but also then what the private sector, or, or maybe the way we're all living, is forcing those certain sectors to grow. Um, like I say, the office sector certainly is having a pause for thought i think is the is the way i'm putting it i, I can't personally see the end of offices but um um i think they're going to have to you know reimagine what they need to do with the space and make it more attractive to i guess potential tenants going forward
1: And I hope with the commercial sector there might be more opportunity to be a bit more innovative around mixed use developments. So I've worked with a number of developers over the years um, and also working on projects with located in the DfE around sort of maximising estates. So putting different services together, you know, if you've got your education and your commercial space, you've got that accessibility, you've got residential, if you've got health linked to all those areas together. become a much more sustainable model Mm -hmm. and actually using those foot you know footprints much more effectively rather than just those big you know sort of soulless business centers
0: without a doubt i think i think that probably will be the way we'll we'll see it go won't we and and there has to be some adapts and change i'm already you know hearing that the likes of you know some of your big london developers are already starting to buy up space so they can start creating cycle parks and things so they can they can store bikes because they'll see you know big big increase in people cycling into work etc so yeah, I think we'll see some of that change come as well. And so, assuming those sectors keep on being buoyant and and, and you're well-placed for that, what, what do you anticipate in terms of your growth plans, I guess, over the next 12 months for, for the business?
1: Well, obviously, there's an element with starting a new business, and yeah. the, uh, come March, the business plan had pretty much gone out of the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was quite interesting. When we, when we launched the business, we had, some, we had some interest from an investor for a while. Right. Um, which um, some probably some of the most grown up conversations of my life, which made me really think about business and growth, and if we were to get that sort of initial yeah. capital, in what we would do. You know, fortunately, we decided that wasn't the direction we wanted to take, um, and that's been a real benefit mm. given what's happened now. Yes, we have, have you at the moment with regards to growth is, you know, we are, we are actively bidding, we're growing, we're trying to promote ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we want, we want to stay an SME in a micro business at the moment. Mm-hmm. So while we are, so we're building up our market of affiliates.
2: Okay.
1: excellent. So we've got a, um, a network that we are building and sort of actively developing and growing of other micro and SMEs, not just sort of architects and complementary services, but also other project managers, small firms. So that actually that we can support each other. And okay. so, we're seeing, so we're seeing a lot of work around that. Um, so I'm potentially doing some work. I'm doing some work at the moment, again supporting another PM firm that hasn't got capacity. So again, we're stepping in to provide some senior-level resource. Mm. Well, they can't. And I think, you know, from a value from the client point of view, you know, it's, it seems to me, you know, it all makes sense. You've got mm-hmm. really agile senior resource that can step in. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the opportunity to sort of resolve the autumn 35 issues, which yes. the public sector are worried about.
2: Yes, yeah, um, yeah.
1: And gives us, you know, and allows networks, people to work together. You know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't, we don't have to be competing. The work's out there. And actually we can offer a better service if we all work together and look for those opportunities and support
0: clients yeah great attitude and, and you know we, we all have to be flexible don't we going forward in terms of uh, different different working patterns and models may may not exist going forward or may change going forward you know certainly we are seeing this move out which that more gig economy where, where you uh, you know you know you in every walk of life including professional services where you may you may cut it up a little bit in terms of how you how you mm-hmm. deliver services and it's like uh, you know jv with other, other other small businesses to make it all work. Yeah, that sounds exciting.
1: There is, and there's some real innovation coming out of SMEs as well. And, you know, we were looking at some public sector tenders and we had a a session with our sort of network recently around social value because Mm. with public procurement tenders now, social value is a core question and responding Mm. to the Social Value Act. And that's quite difficult if it's to answer if, it, if it's just a few of you and you mm. haven't got a big corporate team and mm. you can't take on apprentices um, and how actually by supporting each other with opportunities and training and mm. business to business we can provide that and actually give ourselves a really good response for you know response to that as well as giving something back
0: and so do you think at some point there's a there's an opportunity to i don't know almost i think i'll describe it me maybe an umbrella. Um, I don't know, kind of trading name or maybe something to act as a, a you know consortium and that you bid in that way regularly do you, do you think that sort of thing would happen or
1: possibly yeah we're looking to the moment you know contractual arrangements are you know it can be quite challenging particularly mm. around pi um and making sure you've got that you know at the moment we our consortiums do need one partner who can carry that which okay. is why working with architects is um you know it's, it's been a really good sort of move for us
2: okay and,
1: yeah yeah they're well placed um from their risk profiles to deliver that offering. But we also want to make sure that we've got that agile. We've got our um our own businesses, mm. so you don't get stuck in the same model as you get where you think you might be going to one of the large multi-disc consultancies, mm. but actually you're still getting all the internal disputes and the overheads on overheads mm. within business units. Yeah, you, yeah. Actually, if you've got people who really care about their individual build, businesses because it's their yeah. life, and their yeah. life, yeah, their lifeblood.
0: Yeah. Good. Excellent. And what's your what's your take? roof on the future of the industry in terms of from a maybe technological standpoint what what how do you think technology is going to continue to change the industry because i think that's still a hotly debated one you know a lot of people still say you know we'll be still building the same way we did do 20 years ago for the next 20 years others are saying you know it's really changing what, what's your take on everything
1: i think there's a fairly large movement out there of people who want to try and keep things the same as they are yeah um and yeah, that was one of our motivations for you know starting business up is that we can try and push those technology mm-hmm. you know off-site I think is what really opportunities it, it needs to break through those concerns around quality and deliverability mm-hmm. to be able to compete with um, you know with the big tier one contractors
2: mm-hmm.
1: and really pulling in BIM through collaboration I mean mm-hmm. when I I was lucky enough to, uh, with Gleeds, work um, do some time in their India business, mm-hmm. and they're really embracing technology. I spent some time in Pune and uh, um, Bangalore, where the right. team, there, you know, you've got graphic designers who are working on the BIM models. You, know, they're putting the, the, you know, the cost data is being built into those models. Okay. And, you know, I can see that we will lose traditional QSing in right. the distant future. You know, exactly. if, it's in, if you've got the Sorry to all the QSs out there that are my <laughs> good um, But you know, when you've got it, when the you know the buildings are being designed, they're measuring, and then they will cost themselves. You know that role very much changes. And actually, yeah. when and then from you take that model, and it's not too far away, the buildings will then from the model start to build themselves, start fabricating, start printing their own brick, brick slips associated with it. Actually, it's what you then come to is how you manage the people and coordinate the stakeholders around that. So I see traditional moles, I think moles will start to merge. You'll need less people in the chain.
0: On what kind of time scale do you think?
1: Oh, that's a question. I think think we'll start to see it. I don't think it'll start in this country first. I think we'll start to see it in countries like India and China um, starting to move first and then it will filter through here. So I think we'll probably start to see it in about 15 years here, having a real impact. I think we'll be slow because there is a there's an attitude that you know we know how to do it best in this country Mm. and I always encourage people think it's great if you can get out there and see what the rest of the world's doing and sort of open your eyes a little bit more but you know while we've got great practice you know we're unrivaled in health and safety when it comes to technology and driving things forward we've got we've got stuff to learn
0: yeah I think construction industry as a whole has a lot to learn doesn't in that in that regard Mm. and like you said there's a few people who've who are stalwarts about doing it the way it's always been done. But, yeah, you know, obviously there is a massive movement now, isn't there, for modern methods of construction that seems to be gathering pace. Um, and like you say, whenever, obviously, I, I'm i I'm, I'm a one for putting out posts on LinkedIn, and whenever I put a post around that subject, it always blows up a massive argument between you. You clearly have two camps. <laughs> one's, yeah. one's well entrenched in the past and one's well entrenched in the future. So we'll, we'll see where it all ends up.
1: Yeah, and we've been uh, one of our clients is an MMC contractor, mm. and the commitment that they're putting in with regards to investing in sustainable technologies, the Mm. research around their Mm. buildings, you know, those guys are there and they're doing some really innovative work. It's Mm. not, you know, there are those that are just manufacturing, knocking it out, but Mm. there are some really interesting players in this market that, you know, again, smaller companies that just want to make a difference and improve the way that our industry works.
0: Yeah. Great. Perfect. So I think to, 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 to round off, I think, one thing that makes you really unusual, Beth, is that you are—I um, reckon probably I can still count on one hand the amount of females who are founders of consultancies. So, so hats off to you for doing that. Why do you think there aren't more of you? Why, why you know, why, why are you such a lone individual relative to others?
1: Um. I've this is something that I'm I'm really passionate about and uh, through the line management and teams that I've managed before mm. and I look you know, I do look around you know I'm regularly the only woman you know at the boardroom table or mm. meetings I hold uh, we have a real problem with our industry in retaining women when they break to give you know to go to childbirth and mm. have children mm. and women do check out you know um, there's a great um, TED talk by Charles Anderson from right. Facebook
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which again I'd recommend any sort of woman looking into business to have a look about mm-hmm. and she talks about women leaving before they leave and I know okay. from women that I've managed so you know I've for example uh, I was interviewing a uh, a young a young girl once a graduate and she was talking about maternity policies and you nice. kind of go hey, are, you, are you are you thinking about having a baby and she was like well no because that's going to decide where I work And I'm like, why are you looking for a policy that might pay you a few more months for something you're going to do in five or six years? Yes, yeah. And we're we're thinking overanalyzing, you know, I'm going to pick that job because of something that might happen. You know, I'm not going to go for that promotion. I'm not going to go for that project because I won't see it through if I'm getting married, if I'm planning. So we just don't go for it because we're always thinking about the next impact and the next step. Mm. And when you do leave there aren't that many employers that will allow you to come back flexibly. Um, I was really fortunate. Um, Brilliant. My manager, I first joined Glead, Sue Mm. Archer, you know, she offered me four days a week. It was four days a week and an hour because she knew on my day off, I would check my phone. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Okay. Most much to the uh, frustration of HR was that she should pay me for that time. Mm, And again, that helped that transition to then go back. But you do see it. You know, I've, uh, I've done a lot of recruitment and trying to encourage women to come back part-time. Mm-hmm. You can do it. If I could make it work in a team that I've run, then anyone could make it work. And I've done a fairly good business who uh, ring up sort of uh, mothers from other consultancies because they've not been able to make it work. And you can, you're losing talent from the industry because women are not coming back to work.
2: Without stepping
1: doubt, yeah. up. I mean, even a few days ago, I was talking to someone with me and, you know, and it's It's not just men, it's women have that attitude. you know that interviewed you know someone was saying about an interview of somebody, and the comment was, "Oh, I hope she hasn't got kids
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. you know for looking to recruit and um actually, I'm hoping my, my hope with CoVID is actually you've proven that flexible working can can work, mm-hmm. and that we all you know most of us are lucky enough to have families, mm-hmm. so actually undo our day jobs, so hopefully that we, people will be more open-minded now and we'll see start to see greater attention within the industry.
0: Let's hope so, because as you say, it's, it's nearly always, unfortunately, the woman who, who ends up leaving, uh, taking a step back career wise. And like you say, yeah, absolutely, you know, flexible working has been advanced 10 years in reality, hasn't it? You know, this is this mass exercise has forced a lot of people to, a lot of companies to recognise, OK, we can trust our employees. Um there's perhaps a whole other debate about whether whether going to full home working is is isn't is, is, is I'm, I'm not convinced that's right either personally, but certainly no. it should have really pushed on the flexible agenda. And like you say, hopefully a lot more women will choose to stay in the industry um, and 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 not leave. And so, do you think it's mainly that Beth that it's just been a almost kind of there's an attrition of numbers by the time you get to the point of being you know, knowledgeable enough to set up your own business and that that's the main factor, just as does, does not enough of you reach a pinnacle in your career that you can then make the jump to set up your own business?
1: There is that. Um there's also it's an incredibly scary thing to do if you're a man <laughs> yeah. or a woman. Um and yeah, I don't I think so. I think it's just getting to that stage and then having that commitment and that you know that fear that you won't be able to balance everything while you're doing mm. it. Mm. And don't get me wrong I'm not saying that I'm balancing it all perfectly you know and uh, there are certain days where my daughter spends far too much time on the iPad. Than <laughs> I, think I think
0: we've all, 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 all done that over Covid haven't we unfortunately yeah. I think. <laughs>
1: so that, uh, so that uh, mummy's uh, on business and um, yeah. as she likes to copy me now she's saying she goes 10 minutes,
2: Be 10 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when it's played back to you you're like okay i know where she's picked that up
0: (laughs) yeah like a nail in your heart
1: (laughs) (laughs) But i believe if you're passionate about what you do and it's worth and you you know you you don't i got to a stage in my career and i know stephen felt the same Mm -hmm. where actually we didn't want to just deliver somebody else's values and somebody else's vision Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: you know you've just got to be brave enough to do it yourself if you want to make it you know make a difference build the sort of company that you want to believe you work in and create that culture you've got to do it yourself
0: well i think obviously another thing that's been you know identified without without us going too much onto the whole gender argument but you know the fact that yeah. they're saying a lot of where you do have women in senior roles within the business it's a lot more of a one of a better phrase a lot more of a human business a lot more accepting understanding um, nurturing um as as a business compared to maybe one full of 50 year old year white 50 year old white male sort of thing so um we definitely do need to fix this don't we um then obviously you've got a daughter i've got two daughters i'm I'm genuinely of the i'm I'm quite confident of the opinion that my daughters have a different attitude about life going into it but also so do a lot of boys their age that everyone's i hope anyway more accepting of each other you know my, my daughter seems I think probably more than my generation a lot more accepting of of different people's choices in life what race somebody is etc I, I think um uh, i think they're all a lot more accepting so i think hopefully we'll have a lot more i would hope a lot more balanced playing field um for for females go, going forward uh, maybe some of this is just a dinosaur age that we've got to move out of and, and hopefully there'll be more you know great women leaders in the future
1: I and mean, i've certainly never seen my gender as being anything that sort of held me back you yeah. know there's yeah. there's been some challenges you know uh i know between me and uh, quite a few of my female colleagues and friends you know we all have that pub talk about the most horrendous story from where we've been sort of and <laughs> sure the, uh, yeah. the comments or the you know see a bit of top trumps going on going yeah. on there but
2: yeah.
1: you know starting my own business i think our diversity really is a is a benefit for us absolutely and you know, it makes us more interesting you know mm. the, uh, reflected in our resource and our branding you know we're about adding color about difference and vibrancy you know that's what that's what life's about it's not necessarily about slow moving images of traffic outside shiny buildings in the city mm. you know we make a difference by touching people's lives and we mm. want to reflect that
0: good your branding is very striking it's always as soon as you see it you're a it media which is good it's you know effective but also like you say you know you've you've got some Uh, you've got a story behind behind the branding as well whereas like you say a lot of other unfortunately a lot of other companies the branding is just very generic like you say you know kind of kind of shiny buildings people people sat around an office looking like they're working all that kind of thing it's very generic (laughs) very genetic uh, generic um, kind of stock photos that you see on a lot of websites so yeah you've got to you know it's all part of the process isn't it just trying to change the change the discussion change the dynamic
1: Yes, I'm, I'm actively going to try and avoid any pictures of me in a hard hat holding a plan upside down and pointing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you don't want to do the same as the other 10 companies.
1: <laughs> and it's been great working with, the, with a, a young artist on our branding as well. Mm. You know, she's uh, She's got a really big Instagram following.
2: Awesome.
1: And I think, again, showing her how our industry is changing and mm. how we attract new talent to the industry. Mm. Looking at what other people are doing and what's coming through is another really interesting eye-opening way of doing it you know social media marketing that's changing to the way our businesses operate
2: mm-hmm.
1: compared to how they did when I started my career and I think it's very important that we try and keep in touch with that and show that construction can be modern and interesting and an inclusive place to work
0: well, we just need to make sure we don't lose the current crop of young talent. That's the thing that's worrying me at the moment. I'm, I'm seeing, you know, they're, they're the worst affected again with what's going on at the moment, which um, which worries me greatly. Um,
2: yeah.
0: And I think until the industry can kick that and, and people can feel confident about having a career in, uh, in construction, uh, mm-hmm.
1: we're,
0: we're constantly going to go back and forth on that, I think.
1: Yeah, um, there's some. The CIOB um, issued some guidance. There's a government initiative around young people. I can't remember the name it Young people applying, and then or if they're at risk of furlough, and their skills can be shared across businesses. Um, it's on the it's on Caroline Gumbel's latest post, and I think that's a really great opportunity mm. for businesses that are struggling to justify recruitment and that training commitment that need that resource to dip in and dip out. So similar to the model with SMEs and micro firms, mm-hmm. um, if you can use that model to try and you know bring young people in, I think that could be a really exciting opportunity if that gets taken up.
0: I hope so, Beth. I think uh, you know, without wanting to be cynical, you've still got to have the companies engage and, and want to get involved in that process. I, I, I do genuinely think one, you know one of my honest views of this is the reason why a lot of graduates, trainees, apprentices have been let go. Is because companies do not know how to manage them remotely uh, or, or work whilst working from home. So uh, we, we do need some way of working out a way, I think, of getting a lot of those juniors back into the office so they can be properly managed, supervised. I mean, I'm sure the way you learned when you were uh, you know, a young PM is by osmosis, by being sat next to a good senior and learning yeah. by them. It's, it, I think it is more of a challenge, I think, for, for young, young professionals to, to do that remotely and, and uh, I guess, be managed remotely.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, if we had junior staff, that would be one thing that we're looking at because you, you know you need those ad hoc conversations, mm. you know, the telephone conversations that you overhear, so mm. you can have that continuous development. Mm-hmm. So there needs to there needs to be a medium um, where you can provide that support to young people and that training, um, as well as providing some flexibility.
0: Definitely. Beth, that's been really useful. Thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything anything you else you would like to add before we before we finish?
1: Uh, no, thank you for your time. You know I would just say, I mean, we've touched on, you know, being a new business, being an SME, and you know, also being a woman in this industry. Mm. And I think it's again, it's that it comes back to that faith and courage that's really key to our ethos. Mm. You know. There's a great opportunity out there at the moment. There are fantastic people who are also trying to make change, and I think now there's a real opportunity for us to work together collaboratively to really push that agenda and I'm excited about the next few years.
0: Great no, good luck you yeah you, know, you you bring you can tell you've got a real lot of positive energy around you about what you want to achieve but also help the industry to achieve. so uh, so good luck to Blue Iris. I hope it continues to grow. Um like you say, albeit be maybe in a collaborative way with other other small businesses, which i I applaud you for that. That's great, you know, trying to support other small businesses to grow, up, particularly in the public sector where we do need to see um maybe some more SMEs allowed to properly work within that space. Definitely. Good. All right, Beth, have a great day. Catch you later. Thank you.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Bye.